Hello and welcome to the Lifelong Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Gallinato, and this is a place where I invite people that inspire me and get an opportunity to have a chat and learn from them. In today's podcast, I got the chance to sit down with Rachel, also known as the Booklist Queen. She's a professional book reviewer that can read up to 20 books a month. Her blog, booklistqueen.com, is dedicated to everything about books. If you're looking for recommendations, you can check out her book reviews. If you're looking for inspiration, you can try out one of her reading challenges. Basically, if you're a reader or want to get into reading, you should check out her blog. From preferred reading formats to how Rachel makes time to read 200 books a year, we cover a number of different topics around reading. If you're looking to increase your monthly book count, going through a reading slump, or just want to start reading, this podcast is for you. As always, you'll be able to find all of today's show notes at galleyway.blog. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Rachel, the Bookless Queen. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Sweet. So before we begin, um, I wanted to talk about something that is uh, very interesting that I read on your blog. In your monthly, uh, what was it, those monthly updates, I, I know that you stopped them now, but I read in your, your last one that you purchased an inflatable paddleboard for the summer. And actually, um, la- this summer was my first time on an inflatable paddleboard as well. I've, I've been on a paddleboard before, but uh, we went out with some friends uh, to visit a lake and I just saw them have a backpack on and all of a sudden they just inflate this massive paddleboard. I just thought it was amazing. I heard that you uh, you loved your paddleboard as well. Yes, we actually ended up buying two so that we could fit all of the kids on it at once because I have four kids. Wow. Wow. So it was that uh, three three people on, on a board each. Yes. My kids are very small, so it's not that hard. But oh, we had... that's amazing. We... Yeah, I love the freedom of the paddleboard because um, we went to, a, to visit a lake and we just took over an island that we just liked in the middle of it and it we just uh, we had our dog as well and she was just running around the island we didn't need to worry about our stuff being being stolen or anything so uh where did you use your paddleboard for we bought a state park pass here in utah and so we've just been hitting up all the different lakes we can they're mostly reservoirs here and we that's take lovely. the kids and when it's a hot day we just go and enjoy the beach yeah that's so lovely yeah i plan to um i told my partner i want i would love to get a paddle uh, inflatable paddleboard myself for next summer i think it's a bit too late here in sweden now so um it will have to be for next summer they get sold out really quickly at least here in the u.s so i recommend buying them earlier in the season yeah well i had no idea that they even existed i i just assumed they will always um you know those just typical paddleboards which are just always hard i didn't know that you can inflate one um, and just pack it away into your into your backpack, essentially. Yes, they're really nice. They fit really well in a trunk of our van. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, sweet. Rachel, I want to talk to you about your blog, The Booklist Queen. Um, and I've been reading a lot about you. And uh, I've read um, that you could read up to 200 books a year. And I've also read that you hate the question, how do you find time to read? So I'm not going to ask you that question. Um, but what I want to ask is, well, actually, no. I remember reading somewhere that you said that you you make reading a priority. You just like it's just a, a thing for you just to make sure you you read. So the question I wanted to ask is, how do you schedule your day um, to read? Can you outline a typical day and how you uh, slot uh, time uh, to, to just to read for yourself? I actually prepared for you to ask me about how I find so much time to read. 
Um, And I I think there's two parts of it. One, I'm a professional book reviewer. So it's kind of part of my job to read so much. I like to be informed and on top of all the new releases. Plus, I just love to read. So it works out really well for me. Um, The other thing is reading has become my default. So when I wake up in the morning, I grab a book and I read a chapter. I go to bed, I grab the book and I read another chapter or two or five. Um, If I'm waiting in line at the doctor's office, I pull out my phone and I read instead of scrolling social media. So that's interesting. So I remember when we were, I was talking to you via email, I talked to you about um, different formats of reading. And I told you how I was I've kind of veered away from paper-based books, although I love it. I love the feeling and I love the smell. I love touching it. I love flicking through the books, but it just was not convenient for me. So you seem to be switching between uh, paper-based and digital. And audiobook. I I usually have three books going at a time, usually one in each format so that I can just switch back and forth depending on what's most convenient for me at the time. Uh, that's very interesting. Do you find that you have different retention rates or um, different comprehension rates when you're doing using different formats? Because I've I've yet to use audio simply because I feel that I am going to get distracted and that I will not be able to comprehend all the information. For me, it's more of a preference than a comprehension. So in audiobooks, I prefer nonfiction, where I don't feel like I'm going to miss part of the story. Um, so I, a lot of my self-development books I prefer on audio. They're just easier to listen to. Um, so sometimes if I want to take notes, I don't like audio because I can't scroll back to be like, oh, I wanted to write that down, that suggestion down. So I prefer books that I'm learning, learning from. I'll, I prefer a physical or a, or a Kindle copy. Very interesting. So um, in your in your former life, you were a data analyst and a freelance computer programmer, which I'm highly jealous of because I'm actually in the process of trying to teach myself programming now. So it's really overwhelming, but I'm really interested uh, in the in the subject. Um, and I find that a lot of programmers have this, they're very methodical in, in their way of thinking. And I, I, I wonder, do you include that, uh, that mindset of a programmer whenever you tackle a book? Not necessarily when I tackle a book. Um, I read a lot of fiction and a lot of fiction is more, for me, it's more in the mood and learning from the themes and just getting experience in a, in a situation that I'd never experienced in real life. Um, but I use it a lot when I blog. I'm very methodical when I blog. I have, I have a degree in math. So I'm very or, oriented on details. Mm, and so for business, it's helped a lot. But for reading, it's, I'm just a reader. (laughs) That's cool. So I remember reading somewhere in your blog that you like reading all books, but uh, it's very important for a book to be well-written. What constitutes as a a well-written book? So when I was younger, I was tired of the middle grade young adult section. I mean, this is back before they really had a very good selection in young adults. And so I went to the classics. I was like, oh, I'm going to pick the biggest book I can find. And so I read War and Peace in eighth grade. So I'm maybe 13. And from there, I just read classics for a decade, just over a decade. And so I was so used to reading classical literature that you go into modern literature and you can definitely tell who is a good writer and who can develop a plot 
and who can uh, express themselves well and who is just more there's kind of like that hobby feeling where you're just too it's too much information or it's just not well developed or well thought out is is it the grammar that you you can just tell or is it the the way they build into build up the story what is it is it uh how do you just tell it's more how they build the story than the grammar. I mean, there can be middle school books, so that's a lower grammar level, I mean, lower reading level, but they it's about how you develop a story. If you read a book, a lot of the better books will start you in the middle of an action scene. Instead of you know, giving you 50 million pages of backstory on every character, they only reveal details as they're important to the story. Um, that's very interesting Stephen King said it best you know you got to kill your darlings you just got to cut and edit and cut down to get down to the most essential parts and that's where um, better written books really generally are they've been edited very well well they always say uh, less is more so if that's the case are you um, do you base the like let's say we're talking about a novel here do you base it on the amount of pages that you're reading do you say oh it's like a 300 page book that's going to be probably be too long-winded um i need something shorter oh no books can be however long they are um it kind of comes down to how fast the plot is moving are they advancing um their themes and ideas is there even a point to the book sometimes you finish a book and you're like well what are you trying to say what am i trying to understand from you usually there's some kind of message that they're trying to convey even if i don't agree with the message i can understand and comprehend great well i want to talk about uh, your reading challenges and those 52 different categories that you that you've implemented can you uh, talk a little about the reading challenge and what it's all about so this is just a fun thing i do on my blog every year i do a reading challenge and so i decided it'd be fun because i read a ton so it's partly to challenge me and partly to challenge my blog readers, but we read a book a week for the year. So that equals 52 books for the challenge. You don't have to read them one a week. You just, I, it just ends up being 52 books. And I just picked various prompts to help you diversify your reading. A lot of people get stuck and they only read mysteries or they only read nonfiction. And so it helps you diversify what type of book you read and then also to hopefully go through your backlist of two read books that you've been putting off and be like, you know what, this fits in the calendar, right? I'm going to find time to read this book I've been meaning to read. Yeah, I find it really interesting because I I think I'm going through a slump right now with reading. I, I used to read a lot, but a lot of it was just self-development books. Um, and because of it, because of that, I felt that I kind of, I've they're all just saying the same thing now. And so I just kind of stopped reading. So a, uh, a reading challenge like this is great because it forces you to just like you said diversify into different genres so I might be picking up a, a, a maybe a challenge or, or two uh, later down the line and I like that for me I don't really care if people finish my challenge and read all 52 books I really just want them to pick categories and push themselves and to have fun with it I want them to choose topics that interest them and sometimes i'm okay if they change the topic if they're like well i don't really like that i'm going to you know i don't really want to read a science fiction maybe i'll read a fantasy book instead i really don't care if they change the prompts a bit or how they interpret the prompts i just want them to enjoy it and to push themselves to read more no it definitely does um when i saw those prompts i was like oh yeah i might pick that one up that's a that's a good one 
So I want to talk about your monthly book list. I know that you like to review a few books and you let people know if it's worth their time or if it's not. Um, out of interest, have you had any blowbacks to any negative book reviews? Has the uh, author come back to you and be like, hey, that's a bit unfair? No, I've never had authors reach out to me. I sometimes get comments about people who disagree with me, and that's perfectly fine. It's All I can do is give my opinion. I'm not, you can go read any book you want, um, but this is what I thought. And people like to hear my opinion. They want to hear about the book, but they really want to hear what I liked about it or what I didn't like. Well, I mean, for someone who reads around 200 books a year, you probably have a pretty decent uh, opinion of books and what's good and what's not. So uh, you have the authority to say something. Yes. And then the more people follow along with what I read, they usually get a taste of what they agree with. Say they agree with all my mystery picks, but they disagree on my nonfiction picks. And that's fine. Sometimes you follow someone who has completely opposite tastes. So, you know, if they like that book, you know, you're not going to like it. Well, speaking of tastes, I read that um, you tend to not really enjoy romance books, so you stay clear away from them. Is there a reason why? I just don't. I, I don't mind a love story, but once you get into anything erotic, it's just not my taste. I don't particularly like to read about those situations. So I And I don't like to review them because usually my review is negative because I don't like it. So that doesn't help anybody. Because going in, I kind of already know I didn't like it. Sure. So I want to talk about your favorite book, which is 1984 by George Orwell. Is there a particular reason why you have that as your all-time favorite? I've just always liked how complicated that book is and how he takes scenes and he says, you know, um, you know, war is peace is one of the things where they take so many things and they contradict themselves. I, I love that about that book. Yeah, so you, um, when I read that, I was like, okay, I've heard about 1984. I'm going to check this out. And I immediately just bought it on my Kindle. So I have it from have it uh, on me now. So I'm going to, I plan to read it. And now I would love to see why it's so, uh, why it's your favorite. Have you read Animal Farm by George Orwell? No, I haven't. So that one I love to read first before 1984 because Animal Farm is about how you set up a totalitarian society. Like, how does this even come about? Um, it's a little, it's an allegory. It's just an example of animals taking over the farm from the farmer um, and how horribly it goes wrong. Um, and then 1984 is like living in a totalitarian society and how does a totalitarian society keep its rule and how does it keep it in place? And a lot of it is turning citizens against each other and making sure that there's just no options. So oh, interesting. So you say read Animal Farm before I read 1984. I would suggest it. I think it, it gives it a little more of a um, a better background to the story, even though right, the stories are completely different. Um, they're sure. not connected at all, but the themes are the same. All right. I'll make a note of that um, and I will read Animal Farm. I'm glad I told you. Um, so, OK, I'll read Animal Farm. I just made a note. Sweet. All right. So. I remember reading also on your blog that you're currently reading, uh, one of the books that you're currently reading is Make Time, I think I'm going to butcher their names, by Jake Knapp and John Zaretsky. Zaretsky? Then I, I butchered it, didn't I? That's why um, I don't do a podcast, because I don't know how to say anyone's <laughs> names. I just read them. Yeah, so how are you finding it? I've, I remember reading that a couple of months ago. Are you um, enjoying it? 
I did enjoy it. I thought it had some good, it was very practical, lots of very practical tips on how to find more time in your day. And I'm trying to do it all, which is you can't do it all. But, you know, I have, I have four young children. And so it's trying to blog and take care of my kids. And I'm rather active. Um, it's a lot of I'm finding I'm trying to be better at my time management. And I have some really good tips on how to manage your time better. I was just going to say with four young kids, it's going to be really difficult. With a book like that, do you do you like take it as like the Bible? Because I mean, you have a different life to them. You have four children, and I'm guessing they don't. So, how do you know what advice to pick and what advice not to? A lot of advice you just have to. A lot of productivity and time management books are meant for office settings, and they're really a lot of times they're meant for men. I'm going to be honest. Um, they don't really take into account. They sometimes mention fatherhood, but not as much as if a woman wrote a time management book. She's going to mention her family much more because um, women, you know, they bear much more of the burden, at least socially. Um, it's become that's just how it is a lot for most families. And so you do have to take things with a grain of salt and see how it can apply to your life. They talk about um, you know, when's your best time of the day to be most, most productive and you should, you know, do your most, most valued work at those times. And like, you know, well, what if I'm most productive in the morning, but I don't have childcare until the mm. afternoon. I don't have that option to do my most productive work at my most productive time. I have to do my most productive work at my available time. And so that's mm. something you have to factor in. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. It's such a, it's not a like a a one um, a one answer fits all. It's very everyone's different. Everyone has their own different lives. This is one of the reasons why I kind of I think I got kind of burnt out with uh, self development books because I realized a lot of it was contradicting each other, and um, it just didn't work out for for the lifestyle that I had. Um, so yeah, so uh, that's one of the reasons why. Uh, a book challenge like yours will help me reignite my love for reading, but um, do it in a different genre. Yeah, I think you can easily get burnt out on time on personal development books, especially when you read them back to back, because they a lot of them are very similar. I've been reading a lot of productivity and time management books, um, partly as research for my blog, but partly just to help my life. And then you get to a point where like, well, I've already heard this and that and that like you're just copying ideas from each other and so it's nice to pick up a fiction book and it has nothing to do with time management yeah that's uh that was pretty much my life uh last year i've read so much that i got to the point where i was telling my partner i'm just really tired of self-development books i think i'm just going to read a fiction um and i never read fiction i wasn't really interested i always told myself if i'm going to be using if i'm going to be reading I should be learning. It was a horrible way of thinking. I've grown from that <laughs> mentality. But um, that's when I told myself, oh, I've never read Harry Potter. Everyone loved Harry Potter. I'm like, I'm a 30-year-old who's not read Harry Potter. So um, I read all seven books in like a few months, and I was like, oh, that was great. Um, but then I went back to self-development. I, for some reason, had a had a pull towards that genre. But um, I think you're right. It, it kind of gets to, to a point where they're all pretty much saying the same thing. And Nothing is really new under the sun. And that's part of why I do my book list, because part of it's just trying to say, oh, hey, here are the, you know, if you're only going to read a couple, you should read these ones, because they have the more, either a different view, or they just kind of comprehensively tell you, so you don't have to read 50 million other books. 
So there's a value in reading other books because sometimes um, a, a, a specific author speaks to you better than others. Yeah, I totally agree. So you were talking about how you've been reading a lot of self-development books for the past um, year. Have there been any uh, good ones out there? Any, any any good solid pieces of advice that you use today? So one of my favorites is The One Thing by Gary Keller. And his big thing, and I don't know if you need the whole book for it, but I really liked it because it talks about um, the most important thing is to establish the one thing you're going to do that day. And so for today, my most important thing was up to, to do this podcast. So if I do this podcast and I do it well, I will have accomplished what I needed to do today. And so I think it's really helped me with my focus. So I know every day I have like, okay, what do I need to do today? I don't have time to do everything today. And then your one thing is rarely going to be answer emails or scroll on social media. It's going to be something that's hard. But if you can do that, you can really accomplish those big steps. Yeah, it's, uh, that's one of the uh, pieces of advice that I've uh, taken on board after reading self-development books as well. It's really just about focus. Um, focus on that one thing that's gonna that you'll be happy to like when you end the day that you're 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 glad that you've done it. So yeah, that's cool. So I um, read somewhere that you read really fast. I don't know what your uh, word for minute is, but um, I. <laughs> I remember there was a time in my life where I told myself reading really fast is like a superpower. I want to train myself how to read fast. Um, and I remember I just found like an online course and it was talking about um, like you, you reading, reading through your peripherals and, and being able to, to see the words like from a, a uh, like in a zoomed out kind of view. The problem is, is that I'm, I'm actually partially blind. So, um, my peripherals are it's just it's not going to work did you train for like reading really fast or is it just something that just came naturally to you so I'm not like a professional speed reader um, I just I have so much practice reading I think it's part of it I just read so much that I've and I've always I think for me I haven't developed this talent this is more of an innate talent I have I've always been the first person in a room like if you're in a classroom and they say okay everyone read this I'm always the first person done I just always have been but I have not sat down and developed a speed reading habit where you don't even you know I can't just look really fast and understand everything yeah I always see that as a superpower and in terms of when you do read really fast do you do you find that you comprehend it uh, as as well as someone who just reads you know half the speed as you I think it depends on how fast I'm reading sometimes if I want to I'll just skim books I, I don't usually do it but sometimes I especially with some of the more repetitive self-development books I'll just start skimming through and so then my comprehension definitely goes way down but I don't feel like it's as important to comprehend it. So that's why I do that. But generally, <laughs> if I'm reading fiction, I can't do that because then you miss details exactly. and plot points. Well, here's a question. So you said that you skim quite a few personal uh, development books because you feel like it's not really needed to, uh, to, to read um, properly. So why don't you just give up on the book? Why do you have to skim it? Usually I'm researching it for a book list. So I'm I trying see. to... Um, 
make sure I understand the, the main points and the comprehend it. If it was just for my own personal taste, I would probably just not finish. And I do not, I do don't always finish books I read, but sometimes I'm like, I'm researching for a productivity book list right now. And so I got a book from the library and I could tell pretty quickly that it was not anything unique or new. It was just another entry. And so I didn't feel like I, I wanted to, to read it, but I didn't really feel like I needed to read every single detail in the book. I could kind of skim it. And for your personal books um, that you're just reading for leisure, what's your general rule for giving up a book? Once I just don't like it, I usually give it up. And so mm. sometimes it's just, it's not the right time for me to read this book, even if it's a good book. Sometimes I don't like the detail. I was reading a book that was supremely well-written, but she was a superb author, but it was just too much rape and incest. And I just couldn't handle all these Gosh, no, deep, yeah. dark emotions. And so I, I gave it up. Um, and, and sometimes I just don't like the author. I don't like the characters. I don't like the writing. And so I, I'm, I think you should always give up books if they're not, if you're not getting it, you should never force yourself to finish a book. Yeah, I totally agree. I used to have that mindset that I'm going to just continue reading. I'm already 50% in, I just need to keep going. Um, but yeah, it's just, it doesn't make sense. So I've started um, accepting that uh, I can give up a book even if I'm like 70% in. So I wanted to talk about um, reading slumps because I feel like I, I'm going through one right now because uh, like I said, you know, like the previous years before, I was just constantly reading books, uh, especially personal development books. But I've got to a point where I just, I'm not really reading as much anymore. And like I told you, I'm, I'm trying to teach myself programming now. So I'm reading more technical books. So I'm skimming like through three, four different books at a time. Um, which doesn't give me uh, enough time to read, you know, just for my own leisure. Um, what advice can you give to people who are on like a reading slump right now? I think the biggest thing to do is find a book that will really draw you in. Find like that. It doesn't even have to be the best book ever. Um, when I was pregnant, I stopped reading it. With all my pregnancies, I'd get morning sickness and I just, I couldn't focus. I couldn't read. And so I watched a lot of TV which I rarely do. And so for me to get over the reading slump, I'd always have to read a young adult book because the plots are just so fast paced, kind of like Harry Potter, where they're, they're interesting and the plots are so fast paced. And that would always help me get out of the reading slump by reading something that was fun. It didn't have to be the most amazing. Some of the books were terrible, but it was, <laughs> it was quick and easy and fun. And I think that's part of it. Is finding something a little different, something that's quicker and easier and more fun or more thrilling or one of those you can't put down books are always a good choice to help you break out of the slump. Yeah, well, the thing is, like I told you, I'm trying to teach myself programming right now and I'm, I'm finding it really interesting. And so I'm getting stuck in, in all of these technical books, but I feel really bad because I'm just reading technical books and I'm not reading other genres i'm not uh, opening my mind to other um other things so what you're saying is that just read a book that you enjoy so even if i enjoy a technical book i'm technically not in a reading slump then well yeah if you're enjoying the technical books you're reading why is that a reading slump why is why are those any less than the fiction books there's yeah, nothing wrong point. with that yeah that's a good point okay that's good i i feel i don't feel bad about myself now <laughs> okay 
Cool. So I wanted to ask a few questions um, regarding um, the tools that you help you stay on top of your day. Do you have like a just a, a tool or something that you use often to help you um, read or help you stay on top of your, your time management or just things in general? So to stay on top of my like reading, I use the app Goodreads to track all my books. I go through so many books that it's just nice. As soon as I pick up a book, I log that I'm currently reading it. Um, and it helps me as I'm trying to research for book lists. I can go back through all the books I've read to pick out titles like, oh, this would be great for this list to help me remember. Because I I have, a, I mean, I read 20 books a month sometimes. And so it just gets to be a lot to remember all the titles. But for me, for productivity, I keep a to-do list. Like I keep a planner and I... I prefer a paper one. I have my Google calendar where I have to put my life in because with kids and work and all their school and, um, and social engagements, I, ha I live by a calendar for sure. But I keep a to-do list on paper. And so every day I just write down, so I start with the month. And so I have my monthly goals I wrote down and then I do a page for weekly goals. Um, I keep one for my blog and one for my personal life. You know, These are all the things I need to do this week. And then every day I write a daily to-do list and I start with my, my most important thing, my one thing at the top. And then I list my responsibilities for work and for, you know, my family. And so then I can check it, check them off. And sometimes I even plan out my day. I write down like a, I imagine a schedule of how my day will go. You know, I'll wake up, I'll do my yoga, I'll eat breakfast, I'll do the laundry and then I'll sit down and work. And then I'll, um, you know, I plan out how I think my day will go and it always has to adjust, but it gives me a visual of how I'm going to spend my day. Yeah, that's very interesting. Is there a particular reason why you keep it paper-based? I find that when I write something down, it sticks in my brain better versus mm. typing it. I, there's just something so visual for me about writing something down. It's like, I know a lot of the books, they say, you know, writing your goals down will make you more likely to achieve it. I don't know if that's because people who write their goals are more likely, you know, are more in tune with it. <laughs> and they don't yeah. really talk about that. But just that it's that visual reminder. It kind of I, I know that people who take written notes comprehend better than people who type their notes, even though they're slower. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, because um, about the beginning of this year, I told I told myself to go fully digital. I love paper based. I, I love taking notes. I, 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 too, have a to do list and everything. Uh, but it just got to a point where I was moving around so much and I was always reading like, is it good to be typing? Is it good to be writing? Um, but in the end, it, it really came down to convenience. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a digital to-do list. I just, for me, it just works better to be on paper. And I just have like one little notebook that I do. Yeah, that's so cool. So, okay. So, it, so you've got a to-do list that keeps you on track, but what do you find, um, throughout the day that distracts you with, um, the most? My kids. <laughs> but you still love them. <laughs> I still love them. They've been out of school since March. So it's oh, been gosh, really hard. Yes. How is that? Yes. <laughs> um, so that kind of just changed everything when school mm. just shut down. They're about to start up again part-time. So we'll see how this goes here. Where I live, they're doing, we'll be in school two days a week. And they'll do remote learning the other three. So, wow. so I'm sorry, continue. So that's been hard to adjust to. I was not, 
meant to be a elementary teacher I knew this <laughs> right away I did not study math education I studied mathematics for a reason um, I was not meant to be a teacher and so that's been hard to adjust to having my kids home all day every day so it's going to be a welcome change is it this September when they go back they actually start next week so oh, they wow, go okay. they go two days a week we'll see how long that lasts and we'll see how well it goes um, but I'll have all of them between preschool and I'm going to put my younger two in like they do halftime school and then they'll probably do halftime daycare so I can have two days a week where I can work without distractions. Yeah, it must be really tough. I remember just hearing a lot of uh, parents just finding it really hard to have their kids 24-7 and, you know, trying to manage that, uh, that not that, sorry, manage their kids plus work. Um, have you, Did you see a, a major drop off in your reading time? during these past few months? Uh, no, I saw a much bigger drop off of my like blogging time. I can read while my mm. kids are around. I, that's one thing. <laughs> I, I can sit on the couch and read a book while they play around me and then I'm always available. It's when I'm trying to do tasks that you really have to concentrate on. So if I'm trying to write a blog post or if I'm trying to create something new, um, that's when I really need to concentrate. And the, I, it's really hard when your three-year-old comes in every five minutes asking for a drink of water or to read a story or wants you to you just wants help with something or just wants to say hi and you love them but it's hard to get into that deep work that deep focus that's so essential to really accomplish things sure um so the last question i wanted to ask you rachel was um i know that you've read so much now would are you uh, interested in writing um your own books i could never write fiction i am not a creative writer I know what is well written, but I do not have that ability. It's just not something I would never be satisfied with anything I wrote. Be, read, I, I wrote because I've read so many amazing authors and I could never, I already know that I could not write fiction. I might write nonfiction someday, but I haven't decided. <laughs> well, Rachel, I know that comparison is the thief of joy. So every artist goes through it. Every artist hates their work. And whatever I do, I just hate everything I do. As immediately when I release it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate it. And my partner's like, what are you on about? It's, it's, it's actually pretty decent. Um, so it's nothing. You, you, you're going to swear off it. You're never going to write anything. I won't write fiction for sure. And I don't, I don't enjoy it either. So that's part of it. I, I'm not good at it, but I also just don't like it. I'm not a, a natural storyteller. I might write a nonfiction something. I'll probably start with some like eBooks about how to blog or how to, about blogging. But I don't know if I'd go. I really like topics like minimalism and time management and stuff like that. So I think in the future I could write something like that. That's really cool. Well, Rachel, um, where can people find you if they want to know more about the Booklist Queen? So my blog is, is uh, booklistqueen.com and I'm on all the social medias, but mostly you can just follow me on the blog. Sweet, lovely. I know that on your blog that you were doing monthly updates, but you realized that social media was better for that. Yeah, I'm not great at social media. I find it's just hard to do that and to find time to write. But you can, if you follow along in my book list, usually my intros have a little bit more about me and you can see a little bit about more my life. But most people aren't really interested that much in my life. They're more interested in my book <laughs> and in the books I read. Sure. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, your 
your blog and and everything that you put up is very inspirational and you've actually got me thinking about diversifying uh, my book genre because I realized how my my books my books of choice are very one-sided so um, I'm gonna jump on your that book list challenge and and read a few different other books but firstly I'm gonna read Animal Farm then 1984. Yes they're great books you should hopefully enjoy them. Perfect well Rachel I am going to just say thank you again and um, uh, hopefully I wish you all the best with your four kids going back to school. Thank you so much.